Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. We are so glad to be with you guys today. Let's give it up one more time for all those that are new, our online family. Man, we welcome you guys. We're so glad you're with us. And Man, we are pumped about what's happening. We're going to jump straight into part four of the climb. So turn your neighbor and say the climb. Come on, if you're at home, look at the Starbucks barista or if you're at Starbucks or your cat or your dog or whatever. Like say one more time, say the climb. All right, so we want to talk to you guys today. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We've hit it every week, but we're going to hit it again right out of the gate. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How many guys know that anxiousness is a feeling? I said, how many guys know anxiousness is a feeling? And so it goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, right? He says, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, just think about those things. Now, how many guys know that's easier said than done? How do you guys know in the world we live in right now, that's easier said than done? Because it's hard to control some of these things. I remember uh, uh, it's hard to control the things that are emotional. I remember I was at an airport one time. I was flying to New York, and I was going through a new airport. And so uh, I had landed, and I, hadn't, I didn't quite have enough time to get to the next gate. Y'all know, some of y'all know how stressful that is. You landed, but you don't have enough time, so you got to get to the next one. And so I had to take one of those monorail deals, those little trains that take you from concourse to concourse. And so I hurried, ran, got onto the monorail, and um, so I, I boarded it on uh, number or, or letter A, or I needed to get to concourse A. And so uh, I got on what I thought was the ABC train because you had to go A, B, C, and then there's other train like D, E, F, right? Well, I don't know who designed this airport, but I just saw B and C and I was like, that's obviously the train I need to get on. I'm giving to concourse A, right? I got on the B, C, D train. Not realizing there was an E, F, A train. That's what I thought. See, which I, that's what I thought. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm already don't have time, and I get on, and it's B, and then it's C, and then it brings us all the way to, not A, D. Then I get off on D so that I can get on the train at E to go F, and then finally to A. I was so frustrated, right? Because... I'm sitting there and I'm watching, I'm watching myself go from concourse to concourse, just moving one at a time in the wrong direction. And you know how frustrating that is for a control freak to sit there and you can do nothing about it, but sit there and watch yourself go in the wrong direction while you're already late to miss a flight to get to the place you want to be. I'm sitting there and I'm watching myself, bing, welcome to Concourse B. This is not your destination, so hang on for a little while longer. Bing, welcome to Concourse C. This is also not your destination, so hang on a little while. Bing, welcome to A, or welcome to D, where you started, and so you're now going to have to get on a new trip. Like, I was so frustrated watching it slowly go in a direction I didn't want to go. And I was frustrated at a few things. A, I was angry at myself for not paying attention, right? At the end of the day, that's on me. But I was also frustrated at whoever they let design this ridiculous airport monorail system. Because let's be honest, it's their fault. 
And then I even started getting irritated at the person that booked my ticket for not allowing enough time to like get from one to the other. And it wasn't Pastor Justin, by the way, so don't look at him. All right. So, uh, it was, uh, so all those emotions are going through me at the same time. And, and so, <laughs> but here's the deal. Isn't that how life feels sometimes? Because today I want to talk to you about your emotions. And don't emotions oftentimes feel like a ride going in the wrong direction and you're watching yourself go one stop at a time in a bad place? You don't often just wake up and all of a sudden you're in bad territory. How many of y'all know you oftentimes see it? It's like, welcome to Concourse B where you're going to choose someone out today. It's probably not going to be good. Boom, welcome to C, it's getting worse. Boom, welcome to D, everything is terrible, and you're about to get on a new train that's going to take you to Crazyville. All right, so like, that's how our emotions work sometimes, right? But here's what I've, what I've realized. When our emotions kick in, it's like we're on a train, and we can feel ourselves moving slowly in that wrong direction. Kev, uh, Kevin Gerald says this, though. We've talked about thoughts. We've talked about words. Today, I want to talk to you about emotions because thoughts are like trains. They always take you somewhere. That's what Kevin Gerald said. Thoughts are like trains, they always take you somewhere. So here's the reality. Emotions are the trains that your thoughts ride on. Emotions are the trains that your thoughts ride on. Here's what I mean by that. How many of you have ever had a thought in your brain that you knew wasn't true, but you were in a healthy place emotionally, and that thought, it was almost like it just bounced off you. It wasn't even a big deal. How many of you have found yourself in a bad emotional place, and the minute you let one thought into your brain, it becomes this whirlwind of chaos that takes you in the wrong direction? And we've talked about our thoughts, and we've talked about our words, and one of the things, and what we want to talk about today, is the idea of emotions. You see, Ephesians 4.26 says this, even God knew. He said, uh, Paul says, be angry. Thank God we got permission. Be angry and do not sin. So he's saying, be angry, just don't sin while you're angry. And so he says, do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You see, it's only when our emotions go from feelings to reality that the devil gets a foothold in our life. And so we find ourselves in this place where emotions can rule us. You see, God knows you're going to have emotions. That's why... He said, no, 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 you can be angry, just be angry and don't sin. So like, you can be mad at your boss, just don't snap on your boss or your coworker, Susie, sitting next to you, getting on your nerves all the time. All right, so that's why we have to learn to harness the momentum of our emotions, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, harnessing the momentum of our emotions, because how many of you guys know our emotions are like a train. When they start going in the wrong direction, we can feel them going there, and so I want to talk to you today about three areas that our emotions start to control us, and we're going to look at how we can at least be aware of what they're doing. You see, first, we got to harness the train of emotions with ourselves, how many of you have ever been emotional about yourself? See, we got to harness the train of emotions towards ourselves. Romans 13, 2 says it like this. He says, do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. That's what he says. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And some of the translations, you see, here's what I want you to understand out of the gate. When we're talking about you, you see, your emotions only own you when you're thinking you are better or worse than you really are. 
Your emotions own you when you're thinking you're better or worse than you really are. You say, no, my emotions own me a lot when people get on my nerves. People get on your nerves because you believe you're better than how they're treating you right now. You're better or you're worse than you really are. Your, my emotions only kick in whenever I just feel like people are talking down to me. Well, that means you're believing the lie and you're feeling worse than you really are. Our emotions own us when we feel better or worse than we really are. But that's why Romans says, don't, man, don't think of yourself any better than you really are. And then that last part, just be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And so, man, those things can own us. But how many of you guys know it's easy to look at thoughts that lead to immediate catastrophe and be like, ah, that's not a good move, right? Like, I think I might run this car off the road right now. You can see how that's going to end, and you're like, ah, but let me not do that, right? Like, I'm going to walk in my boss's office right now and tell him exactly what I think of how he runs this company. How many of you guys know that's not going to end well for you? When your wife is like, how does this outfit look? There's only one response to that question, right? You can tell where this is going if you answer incorrectly, right? Now, you guys better come to life right now because I don't know what y'all are doing. I said, how many guys know it's easy to see thoughts that take us to immediate catastrophe, bad places? Quitting your job right now with no backup plan is not going to be good for you. If you really did to that person what you thought about doing to that person because they cussed you out is not going to end well for you. Like how many guys know our thoughts, those are easy to identify. But you see, here's what's harder to identify. Those thoughts that slowly deteriorate us. It's not the thoughts that we're like, oh man, we're not, not literally like, oh, I, I could kill that person right now. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying we can all, we've all thought that before. That's the easy one to be like, ah, let me not get too crazy here. But you see, here's the thoughts that slowly deteriorate us. Are you ready? You'll never top this success. You've peaked. Right? You'll never escape your past. What about some of the others? You'll never achieve your dreams, right? You'll never make it out of this alive. You don't have what it takes your, your identity is in your mistakes. You don't deserve anything good. Nobody loves you. Just go away. You see, those are the types of thoughts that can lead to emotions that slowly deteriorate us over time. And here's the real problem, right? You see, these thoughts take you somewhere. And because you can't see the immediate turmoil of their destructive nature, right, we entertain them longer. It's easy to be like, nah, if I lash out of my boss, I'm going to be broke. Let me not do that. But we'll believe we're nothing because it doesn't hurt anybody but us. And it takes a long time for the ramifications of those thoughts to finally set in. And so we have to change the way we think, even about ourselves, and the train of emotions that could guide us to that place. You see, Levi Lesko says it like this. You can't stop thinking about something by trying to stop thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about something by trying to stop thinking about it. And here's the problem. We play this tape reel over and over and over in our head about who we are 
or who we've agreed that someone else has said that we are. And as we play that reel over and over and over, we start buying into the slow deterioration of who we are, not realizing that our emotions are getting onto a train and it's slowly taking us into becoming the person we never wanted to be in the first place. So we have to harness the train of emotion with ourselves. But then we had to harness the train of emotion towards others. And that's when it gets hard. Like it's one thing to get self-talk under control. It's a whole other thing to control your emotions on how you feel about how other people are acting wild. Like someone at home right now, you think about somebody right now who is losing their mind and you want to tell them exactly what you think of them. Now, there's no one in the room that thinks that. It's just you. Okay, so just we're laughing. Okay, so harnessing the train of emotions towards other people. You see, because what happens is oftentimes we get offended. Anybody ever been offended before? Anybody got offended? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. All right, seven of us. The rest of you, liars. All right, so we, like, it's easy to get offended. But here's the problem. Pastor Scott mentioned this when he was here. And I was like, wow, that was so good. Because he said the problem with getting offended is then you get off-ended. And everything you're looking at now is no longer straight because you got offended. You're not looking correctly. And then the people that are doing the right thing look like they're doing the wrong thing to you. Your offense is causing you to see things in people that aren't even there yet. So you're offended and it's getting you off ended. And now your marriage looks wrong. Your job looks wrong. Your boss looks wrong. Your friends look wrong. The problem isn't that any of them are wrong necessarily. It's that you can't see straight anymore. And so we have to harness our emotions towards others because it changes how we see everyone. And then it stops us from loving past our offense because all we can see is how bad things are. And so we get offended. And the problem is the train of our emotions will start to go faster and faster, stop by stop. It'll start leading us somewhere if we don't check our emotions about how we feel about other people just because we got offended. I'm here to tell you something. Offense changes the way we see everything. Offense changes the way we see everything. I have literally watched people get offended at somebody else and take it out on somebody else. Well, if that person meant that, surely this person is like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That you would make somebody else pay for what somebody else did. But that's what being offended does because it gets everybody off-ended. And it makes it to where we can't see clearly. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says this. It says, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. Now, that's hard for me. I don't know about you guys. That's hard for me because I like keeping records. Because if you got me, you got something coming. All right, seven of us are honest. The rest of y'all are liars. I said, if you got me, it might be six years from now. I got, I got this mental marker back here, right? And when, it ha- when I finally get you back, like, I'm going to remind you of six years ago. You remember in 2015? Come on, I ain't the only one in here. Stop playing. Y'all acting way too religious this morning. Yo, you remember back in 2015 where you cut me off in traffic? Today is the day, baby. I remember that bumper sticker. Today is the day. But 1 Corinthians 13 says love, which is, which is how Jesus said to the disciples that the world would know that we're his. That's how we love one another. He said love keeps no record of wrongdoing. You know what that means? That don't mean the Bible's wrong. It means I'm wrong. 
Because that means I got to let go of the things I want to hold on to. And this doesn't show up any deeper than in our relationships with people. You see, many of us are constantly keeping records of wrongdoings. Matter of fact, for some of you, and I really want you to lean into this for a second. For some of you, your marriage is going down the tubes right now. It's not because you keep having new arguments every day. It's because you keep having the same argument every day. You're having the same argument from five years ago. It just never stopped. You just took a break to sleep. And you're waking up the next day and you're having it all over again. And you keep repeating the same problems over and over again. But you've yet to really try to attempt any solutions. Or many of us are making our loved ones pay for something that someone else did to us 15 years ago. For some of you, maybe it's friends, maybe it's family, maybe it's a spouse. Many of you, someone put you on a train of emotions 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 25 years ago. They put you on a train of emotions because of what they said, because of what they did. And they've been out of your life for a decade. And the person that stands in front of you today is still paying for you being on the train from somebody else. And you're letting your emotions destroy your current relationships because you haven't checked the train that you're on towards others. Or we make everyone pay for offenses because we anticipate people's negative connotations before we understand their intent. Here's what many of us do. Well, I know what they meant because... Well, they only invited me to that party because, well, they only asked me to be a part of that because, and what we're doing is we're filling negative intention into positive opportunities and trying to understand why we're the ones always offended. Oftentimes, we are putting ourselves in a position where we're anticipating things that aren't even really happening yet. Anybody ever been around somebody where they were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the only reason that they like me is because... It's like, have they told you that? No. Have they done anything to let you know that? No. I just know that it's true. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because you're choosing to empower that person to disrespect you, and they have done nothing to do that. And for many of us, our emotions are running wild out of anticipation, not out of true reality. And here's the problem. We talked about it last week. You'll always find what you're looking for. You'll always find and identify that behavior in that person if that's what you're looking for out of them. See, they had a party and they didn't invite me. I knew they didn't want me anything. Or maybe there was a 10-person guest list cap and you didn't make it. Maybe it was family only. Maybe you need to stop letting your thoughts be trains for your emotion or your emotions to be trains for your thoughts to ride on and we can check those things you see here's the reality some of us live in an ongoing unending cycle of offense that is causing us to lack peace grace humility forgiveness and it's owning our emotions and it's affecting our climb it's affecting our life can I tell you something look at me I want to give you free advice stop keeping score I love my wife better than she loves me. Cool. Stop keeping score. I do more for other people than they ever do for me. Great. Stop keeping score. It's never been about a life that's even. It's, been about a, it's always been about a life of sacrifice. Stop keeping score. You want a better marriage? Stop keeping score. You want better friendships? Stop keeping score. 
You want better coworkers, relationship with your boss? Stop keeping score. Even though there is a score there because we get paid to show up, so that's a little different. But I really do feel like there maybe should be a little bit of balance. You know what I mean? Um, here's what Romans 12 says. Romans 12 says, be devoted to one another in love. Outdo one another in honoring one another. Outdo each other in honoring one another. You see, we can, we can identify those thoughts that we talked about earlier, but how many guys know sometimes it's hard to identify the thoughts that lead to or that agree with our experiences. So, see, some of the thoughts in our mind that are riding on the emotions of our trains agree with our past experiences. You see, we become suspicious of someone else's activity because someone else gave us bad activity that makes us suspicious towards other people's activity. I'm going to judge this person based on that person, but it agrees with my past experience, so I'm never going to trust again because of what that person did. And we immediately allow the train to take us to a place where we're no longer trusting people, obsessing about why we weren't invited, doubting and questioning God, feeling guilty, wondering where it all went wrong, right? Like those are the places we're stewing over something that someone has done to us. We don't seem destructive on the surface, but those thoughts can destroy you because they can own your emotions. So what do we do? We project assumptions. Well, I'm pretty sure that this is why they did that. Here's something I've, I've vowed to live in my life. You ready? Someone has to prove to me their intention before I assume it. So, like, if you don't like me, you pretty much got to go out of your way to let me know you don't like me. Like, you have to walk up to me like, hey, bro, just so you know, I don't like you. I'm like, oh, okay, dope. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't sit back in my recliner being like, man, I wonder what they went by that. I, want, I wonder what they meant when they told. I wonder what they, are they, are they like cryptic posting about me on Facebook or Instagram? Like, are they trying to talk about me but not talk to me? Like, oh my gosh, wonder, I wonder how they feel about, I wonder, I can't believe they're going to, you know what I don't do? I don't lose sleep over not knowing the truth of someone else's reality. And many of you, your emotions are running away with you, not because of a reality, but because of an assumption you projected into their behavior. And how about you just let people start telling you how they feel? And if they don't tell you that, just assume they love you. That's why, why you think I smile at everybody in the lobby? I don't even know who don't like me. I don't, maybe they don't go to the church anymore. That would be, like, be a good indicator, right? But like, hey, if you're walking through the lobby, I just assume you love me. I'm like, hey, wow, what's going on, baby? How are you? Everybody's like, we're good. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. They could be talking about me behind my back, have no idea. They could have posted something about me on Instagram yesterday, no clue. You want to know why? Because I'm not reading into other people's behavior because I can't change what they're doing, and I'm not going to get into cryptic assumptions about what other people have to say. You're going to have to tell me you don't like me, and until you tell me that, I love you, and then after you tell me that, I'm going to love you from a distance, but I still love you because you don't get to control my emotions. You see, here's the reality. We let their projected possibility become our reality, which then leads to our own emotions. 2 Peter 1, 5-9 says this. You must learn to know God better. This is a big text, but I want you to hear what he's saying here. You must learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly. Wow. Wow. Put aside your own desires so you can become patient and godly. You know what that means? As long as you're pursuing your desires, there's no opportunity to be patient or godly. Godly letting God have his way with you. This will make possible the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. The more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful 
and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. But anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind indeed. Or at least very short-sighted and has forgotten that God delivered him. Say me. You see, if we don't do this, we're short-sighted because we've forgotten that God delivered me from the old life of sin so that now, he can li- that now I can live a strong, good life for the Lord. We've forgotten what it took to get us here as we're projecting other people. And the other hard part that our emotions get away with us is when we compare our climbs to other people. Am I right? Like, how many of you have been climbing? You've been going through life. You're struggling, trying to get back to the top of your mountain. You look at somebody else, and it's like they don't even have a mountain. It's just barely a hill. And you're like, God, how come they got that? Like, I'm over here with bloody knuckles trying to climb these rocks, and they got it smooth sailing over there. Come on. Don't, y'all better, I know this is real. I said, how many guys have ever been in that place? You looking at other people's climbs being like, now nah, that just ain't right. Or they got an elevator to the top of their mountain, it looks like. How you got up there so fast? And we compare our climbs to somebody else's because we're like, there's no way you should be there because I know about your secrets. Mm. The reality isn't that you're mad at their climb. The reality is you feel like they don't deserve what they got. And you deserve better. What happens if we started judging other people by the same way we judge ourselves? What if we started judging everyone the same? Here's, here's what I'll put to you. What if we stop judging other people by their actions and judging ourselves by our intentions? Well, that's not what I meant. Well, you didn't get that grace to somebody else. You see, we compare our climbs to other people's climbs because we feel like we deserve different but you don't know what climb they had before that one. You don't know what their mountain looked like and you don't know how long they've been in that valley. And we compare our climbs to other people's and we get frustrated, man. I'm telling you, it's easy. Find ourselves in that place where we're like, they don't deserve that. Listen, if we're being honest, none of us deserve this. So before we get crazy, let's look at what 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9 says, unless we forgot that God delivered us from the old life. And then the last thing I want to give to you today as we wrap up, we got to harness the train of emotions with ourselves. We got to harness the train of emotions with others. And then we got to harness our train of emotions towards our climb. The journey in general. Because sometimes it's not ourselves and it's not other people. We're just mad with God because of the journey that we're on. I can't believe that I'm here again. I can't believe that I'm going through this again. I can't believe that this is where I'm at. I can't, be- and what do we do? Man, we get frustrated in the climb. And here's the reality. When we get to that place, we start losing track of what God has for us. He never promised that the climb would be easy. And for many of you, your anger, your hurt, your offense, What you've been through in your past is giving you an excuse to stay where you are. I'll put it to you like this. Your response to somebody else's behavior is 100% your responsibility. Your response to someone else's behavior is 100% your responsibility. You don't know what they did to me. Fair enough. Still your responsibility. 
You don't know how they heard me. You know how they talked to me. Fair enough. It's still your responsibility. God's going to judge them on their actions. He's going to judge you on your response. And so we can get frustrated in the climb. But here's the reality, man. Your emotions, when you're in your climb and you feel like your emotions are controlling you, your emotions are not a barometer for justifiable action. I'm going to say that again. Your emotions are not a barometer for justifiable action. What your emotions are, they're merely a thermometer to tell you how much your climb and all the chaos in it is controlling you. You see, here's the reality. When your emotions are in control, you will always give yourself a good reason to trust God less. And we find ourselves in these climbs and we're frustrated there because we don't feel like we should be there. I remember I was telling you about when I was trying to catch the plane and I got on the B, C, and D train because that's the dumbest thing ever. I was angry with myself. I was frustrated with whoever designed this ridiculous thing. And I was irritated with whoever, who it is is irrelevant, but who booked my ticket at the time. I was like, this is ridiculous. But here's how many of us find, or here's the truth. And this is what I want to invite you into this space to understand. None of those emotions got me to my gate any faster. Angry, frustrated, irritated. None of them got me to my destination any faster, but all of them got me to my destination worse. And for many of us, we're not getting to our destination any faster. We're just getting their worst version of ourselves. Now we're there angry. Now we're there frustrated. Now the people that God brought us there to impact, we can't because we can't see past our own stuff. And we're angry with the climb, but the reality is what if we took all of our emotions? What if we took all of our frustrations? What if we took our anger, our irritation, our sadness? What if we took all of that and we channeled it back into the climb to say, you know what, God, if you've got me here, you've got me here. And I may not want to be here. I may not even like being here. But what I know is since you've got me here, I'm going to make sure this anger gets me to the top of this mountain faster. I'm gonna make sure that this sadness, I'm gonna channel this back into my climb and say, all right, you're gonna get me somewhere else. This might be where I'm at, but it's not where I'm staying. What if we started channeling our frustration? What if we started channeling all those things and saying, instead of being mad at that person and that person and that person and whoever designed this monorail system and whoever bought my ticket and all that stuff, what if we just said, you know what? I can't change what I can't change, but I'm gonna choose to climb this mountain differently so that when I get to the top, I'm the best version of myself that God can now use to impact people. What if we changed it to where We're looking around and just going, I'm just not going to let this own me anymore. (laughs) For many of us, we are owned. You see, I want to take you to Mark chapter 8 because I want to show you something. I believe some of you guys may be able to correlate with this a little bit. There's a story in Mark chapter 8. There's a blind man, can't see. They bring him to Jesus. His friends bring him to Jesus. Jesus uh, spits in his eyes. He says, now can you see? And that's where I want to take you to verse 24 and 25. He looked up and said, the blind man looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, 
Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And we've brought this analogy up before, so, but it may be new for some of you. But the blind man's response was, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Now, if he's always been blind, how does he know what trees look like? So what we know is this guy was able to see before. And somewhere along the way, he lost his vision and he couldn't see anymore. And my question for some of you is, have the circumstances of your life created such an emotional cloud in your life that you can't see anymore? You can't see the future and how beautiful it could be. You can't see the relationships that are available to you and how they could restore and heal you. You can't see the marriage that you could have because you can't see past the cloud of pain and frustration. You can't see anything anymore and pain has caused you to lose your sight. But I'm here to tell you right now that whether it's yourself, whether it's others, or whether it's just the climb, you can't let your cloud of emotions stop you from seeing clearly what God wants to do in your life. You have to see that it's available. And sometimes we don't know how it got this bad. And I know this feeling. Many of you know, uh, a few months ago, my dog passed away. I know that sounds ludicrous to some of you if you're not animal people, but we are animal people, dog people actually. No cats in my house, but he passed away. He's, he was he was like my right hand guy, man. It was my, it was my dog. But I remember after he passed. Many of you do not know this, but it was like an instant cloud fell in front of my face, and I was like, and there were even moments. In, during this, there's a two week time frame where I was like, I, I couldn't get my emotions under control. My anger was running away with me. My, I, I mean, just, it was like, I felt like the blind guy in Mark, I, I couldn't see, I, it didn't matter what I did. And if I'm being completely honest with you guys, those two weeks were worse than the two weeks after my son died, which I thought there was nothing that could compare to that. And so I started talking to my therapist because your pastor has a therapist, if that ever needs to be a reason why you can get one. I was talking to him and through a number of conversations, he helped me see something. He helped, he helped me see that I had attached my grieving from my son to my dog. And when he died, I started grieving both. I grieved, but you know what I mean. And I remember this was, this was the turning point. I remember I was with my wife. Something happened. She's known me since, she's known, she knew me in the BC era, before Christ. So she knows, she got all the secrets. You want to ruin my career, just go talk to her, okay? So she, she knew me before Christ, and she's seen the parts of me that most of you wouldn't even believe are true with my anger and some of those things. I remember something happened and I snapped, not on her, but in front of her. And I saw in her face the fear because she recognized the person from before. 
And when I saw that, God checked me. And I walked in Pastor Justin's office the next day, he'll tell you, and I said, I'm going to Kentucky for 10 days or five, however long ago, I'm going to Kentucky, I'm going to the side of a mountain because I got to meet with God again. Because what I won't do is live in these emotions where I can't see anymore. And for some of you, you need to find this place where you come to God and you say, whatever's going on in me, whatever's going on in my relationship with other people, God, whatever's even going on between me and you and my frustration about this journey that you've got me on, I need you to start pulling this stuff out of me. I need you to start letting this stuff go. There's a free life in Christ that's available to each one of us. And I'm here to tell you today that you do not have to keep living in this place of turmoil and frustration and hurt and pain, but there's a life available to you where you can breathe again, where you can see again, where things are clear again. And whatever's got you to this point, you don't have to worry about those things controlling you but it's time that you let them go. Where you finally come to that place where you go, God, life has not seemed fair. Things have not always seemed right. But what I know is that you have the power to help me see again. And I'm ready to stop letting my emotions create the cloud of blindness that's stopping me from seeing the future. But I'm ready to see my purpose. I'm ready to move in freedom and I'm ready for God to give me a clean slate so I can start seeing again. And today, I believe God wants to do that for each one of you. And so here's what I wanna invite you to do this morning. I wanna invite you to close your eyes. Even for those of you online, I want you to invite you, invite you to close your eyes. For some of you, your emotions, fear, sadness, anger, worry, anxiety, become like a cloud that you can't see through. And God, right now, wants to get rid of your cloud. And he wants to give you the freedom to see clearly again. And today, if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. That God would give you the ability to see clearly again. So Father, for every person that is here right now, God, that the cloud of pain, frustration, anger, just life, our emotions have blinded us to who you are. God, I pray that you right now would reveal to us the life that you have for us, God. Right now, if that's you, I just want you to tell God right now, I want you to use your own words. I want you to speak it out loud. I'm letting that go. Come on, if that's you, I want you to say it out loud. I'm letting that go. Whatever it is, let it go. Come on, right now, let it go. I want you to speak it out loud. I'm letting that person go. I'm letting that hurt go. I'm letting that frustration go. I'm, I'm giving these back to you, God. I'm no longer gonna hold on to this thing that keeps blinding me. I'm no longer gonna let my anger hold me. I'm no longer gonna let my bitterness, my unforgiveness hold me. I'm no longer gonna identify with those lies. God, I'm letting it go. I'm putting all my confidence in you, all my trust in you. God, I wanna be able to see again. I don't wanna sit in this space anymore. I wanna surrender it all. 
God, so that I can see the future clearly. I can see my purpose clearly, and I can move in every direction that you're taking me in. In Jesus' name, God, I give it to you right now. Help me see clearly. Now, if you're here today quickly, and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, your sins have separated you from God, but you want to be close to God. You, you know that you're not saved, but God is pulling on your heart right now, and you know, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to be close to God. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, and the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Make me clean. I believe you died for me, so I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. We celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.